right. I don't know what you're expecting with that walk-up music, but whatever it is, get it out of your mind. That's not happening. <laughs> hey, all right. Uh, hey, that threw me for a loop, uh, so I got I to gotta reset a little bit. Hey, welcome, everybody. Good morning, and thank you for joining us here at Discovery Community Church. Thank you out there uh, online, wherever you are, whenever you're joining us. Um, I know that there are a number of people since the Broncos uh, kick off at 11 are out there at home right now going, well, I'll just switch back and forth. So we see you. We know where you are. All these people here, though, I'll let you fill in the blank because I can't say it from up here. Anyway, uh, love you guys. Glad that you guys are here. We're uh, starting our, our um, Advent series. I called it The Truth About Christmas. Does that sound titillating enough? Like, are we going to hear something we never knew? You're not going to hear anything you never knew, but you might hear something that you didn't really think of that much, and and I hope that's what it is. So we are are celebrating Advent 2023, and so when I say that, there are a few of you who might be going, I thought this was Christmas. Uh, Am I in the wrong place? Like, I don't see anybody getting up to leave. So maybe, maybe you get it. Christmas is a day. Christmas is a day. We always call Christmas the season. But really, Christmas is a day where we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But Advent is a four-week season. When we talk about the season, we're talking about really Advent. And Advent is a season of preparing our hearts for the Savior to come. That's what it's about. And it's very easy to be unprepared for a gift or unprepared for a blessing. Now, you might say, hey, a blessing could show up in my life at any time. I'm more than happy with that. But let me give you an example that we, that we see from time to time. Anybody ever hear a story of someone who won the lottery, won a huge lottery? And it might be a blessing for a day or two, And then most often, you find out later on, that blessing has actually been a curse in their lives. Let's look at maybe professional athletes, teenagers who sign contracts for more money than they ever dreamed of in their entire life. Many times, without the proper guidance and without the proper foundation, that sudden blessing that we would all love to see is not a blessing in their lives turns out to be much less so. So without a heart that is prepared and ready to receive the blessing that's coming, that blessing is not always what it was meant to be. So if you're still confused, maybe it's easier to describe Advent in terms of what it is not. Advent is not crowded shopping malls. Advent is not office parties. It's not crowded stores, decorating. And it's not about receiving gifts from other people. It's not about getting gifts. Advent is a time for preparing our hearts. It's a time for prayer. It's a time for reflection. It's a time for repentance if necessary. It's a time of thankfulness If you have joy in your life, be thankful for that. If you have peace in your life, 
be thankful for that. If you don't have those things in your life, be thankful that the answer for those things is available for the asking. It's a time of abundant love. It's a time of giving away the blessings that you have received. Now, many of us are going to get presents on Christmas, and I'm not saying that it's bad to either get or give presents on Christmas, but it's our mindset. We've called the series, it's just a four-week series going up to Christmas. We've called it the truth about Christmas because the meaning, the true meaning of Christmas and the Advent season has become a little bit muddied over time. And, and you, don't have to be, um, you don't have to be a strong Christian to have those things pop into your head like, what are we doing here? And you don't have to be an atheist on the other end of it to realize that somehow the true meaning behind Christmas has been completely lost in some cases. And there's everything in between. So it's important that we hang on to it. And when we think of, if I were to ask you, Christmas Day at your house, does it bring images like this? I'll show you a short movie. Folks, 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 Merry Christmas. Look at how big you got Merry Christmas. Oh, Mom. Knock on the door. You know, they took a pint of fluid out of my lower back. You see this mole? This mole in my neck? You think it's changing color? No. Well, you keep touching it, it's getting redder. I got hemorrhoids. Can you believe them? Oh, mother. Isn't that terrible? You're not getting the garage space. I'm doing the parking. Russ, you want to help me? This is what Christmas is all about. I'll uh, park the cars and check the luggage and uh, I'll be outside for the season. Any of those things ring a bell in your house? <clears throat> but if you want the truth about Christmas, the truth, he says, it's the reason for the seasoners, the meaning of Christmas. The truth that a lot of the world, many retailers, don't want you to know. The truth is that Advent and Christmas Day is not about receiving gifts. It's not about commercialism and going out and buying gifts to give to one another. It's giving away what you have already freely received. Christ brought the greatest gift to the world that the world would ever know and gave those gifts away to anyone who was willing to receive them. But now it's up to us to carry the gifts that we've been given into a world and give them away just as freely and just as intentionally as Christ did. So 
So again, to be clear, I'm not saying that giving and receiving gifts on Christmas morning and wrapping presents and having, I'm not saying any of that is wrong. But our mindset about it needs to be right. Our mindset about it needs to be right. So when you look at scenes like that, or maybe that's not your house, it was mine for many years, um, but um, does it give you anxiety to think about the Christmas season, as the world says it? Does it, does it give you joy, or does it give it anxiety when it comes up? Pastor Tom, I love it, because two months, three months before Christmas, he starts, you can tell, he's just like walking lighter, and he's just a little bit more <laughs> elevated. He is he's the closest thing to Mr. Christmas that I know. He gets genuine joy out of Christmas. Even knowing all the things that have to happen, it brings joy. So when you think about buying gifts, wrapping gifts, decorating the house, having friends over, having family over, does it make you depressed? It does a lot of people. Does it make you depressed that you can't give as many or the kind of gifts that you might like? Or does it give you joy and thankfulness that you have people in your life that you can share those things with? That's what I'm talking about, mindset. Does it create turmoil in your heart or peace? And so maybe we can clear up some of the murkiness about the idea and what the season should mean to a follower of Jesus and to a child of God. Christmas, the season, Advent, the season can mean all kinds of different things if you are not a follower of Christ. But if you are, it should mean something different. So let's talk about, let's talk about specifically what Advent is because Advent is kind of, I taught last week about traditions and Advent's kind of one of those things that is, is a tradition that a lot of people observe. It's a tradition that a lot of people don't observe. It's some that people have never even heard of. It's some that people, it would be unheard of to not observe Advent. And so it kind of depends on your background and where you came from because the word Advent is not found in Scripture. It isn't found in Scripture at all. It's actually a Latin word that literally means coming or arriving, and it's usually associated with either a, a really momentous event or a momentous person or, or a really significant person. That's usually what that word applies to. The first mention of Advent in any sort of ancient writing or ancient culture or tradition goes back to about the 6th century, really, after Christ. Some mentions of the idea at about 380, 400 A.D., but still hundreds of years after Christ before anybody started really focusing on that preparation. And it's a season of preparing our hearts for the birth of Jesus. Now, we look at that video clip and we look at what many of us have to do in our own lives, and it is not the chaotic, physical kind of preparation. It's not cutting Christmas trees. Those things are wonderful. Gabe and I are going to try and go out and cut ours tomorrow. Those things are fantastic. But it's not about that. It's about spiritual preparation. That's what it's for. Christmas morning, chaos. Every house. 
But right now, the four weeks leading up, the season of Advent that we're going to be celebrating here and observing here is about spiritual preparation. So up here, up front, you may see if you're in the back, maybe you can't see them, but we have these five candles up here. Four candles represent the four weeks of Advent with the fifth candle in the middle representing Christ. And the fifth candle won't be lit until Christmas Eve. The first one is hope. The second one is preparation. Then the third one over here is joy or peace. And the last one is love. And we're going to teach over these four weeks, we're going to teach messages that kind of focus on each one of those things. And as we do, we'll light that candle. This week, we're going to focus on what it means to hope in Jesus. So three years ago, who remembers what was happening Christmas three years ago? Christmas 2020. Even the word 2020 bring something. I want to share with you just a tiny little snip of our Advent message from three years ago. I read from Colossians 3.1, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And I said, the bottom line is I, I believe that means filling our hearts with hope, filling our hearts with hope. But, and then I asked this question, show of hands, who's in need of a little hope these days? I could probably still ask that question today though. Who's read headlines like this in the last few months? Now this was again, three years ago. But look at some of these headlines from the news. Number one, experts predict our darkest days are still ahead of us. Next one, going to grandma's for the holidays is just like putting a gun to her head. And the third one, Experts say a vaccine-resistant mutation of the coronavirus is likely to hit soon. Super fun, right? And then, I, and then I just followed up with this. Any good news that you might get is likely to be buried, minimized, or delivered with a series of catastrophic what-ifs. Many people fell into deep, deep depression and abandoned hope in favor of being pragmatic or realistic. A lot of us still struggle with that today. The world in general, I think, struggles with the idea of being hopeful just, just because we can be hopeful. We can either be hopeful or we can be pessimistic about the future. It's our choice. And the world has slowly shifted to where being pragmatic and pessimistic and realistic is much more commonly accepted. But hope in Jesus is different. Hope in Jesus is, is it's solid. I'm sitting here today saying, I hope the Broncos win. I hope they make the playoffs. That's not up to me. That is, that is slightly more than a roll of the dice. Hope in Jesus is not the same. It's not dependent on the news, on current culture, or what the devil wants you to believe. Here's a couple instances in Scripture. One Old Testament, one New Testament, to give you a contrast here. Not even not a contrast, a comparison. Jeremiah 29, 10 to 11 says this, For this is what the Lord says. 
when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. The word hope is what I want to focus on. Put that back up if you could. Just leave that word hope there. Now, being Old Testament, being from Jeremiah, this is written in Hebrew. And the Hebrew language, just as a Greek language for the New Testament, is so much more rich and means so much more than than our English language does. We are so limited. If you look at that word hope, in the Hebrew, that word, that word it translates as tikvah. And tikvah, the literal definition is a cord that binds or connects. So the paraphrase to that is God knows the plans he has for you. Plans for good and not for evil and he will tie himself to you. Bind himself literally to you. That's a promise. It's a promise from God. And he's delivering that promise to people who are in cap. They've been conquered, they've been enslaved, and they've been taken away to a place entirely not of their choosing. He's saying, hang on. Because even here in this place, I am bound to you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not unaware of what you're going through. I'm tied to you. The second version, Ephesians 1.18. This is New Testament. This is Paul writing a letter to the church in Ephesus. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you'll know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints? Now that word hope... Obviously, it's Greek. It translates a little bit differently. It's elpis, E-L-P-I-S, elpis. And it's an expectation of what is certain. It's an expectation. So no matter what your current situation is, what it looks like in your checkbook or at your house or in your family relationships or your personal relationships, it doesn't matter because the devil's going to try and convince you that there isn't hope. But God's promise, you put these two together, and God's promise is that he will be forever tied to you and that his promises are an expectation. It's not a roll of the dice. It's not a let's see if it works out for you. Those promises are an expectation. The word that comes into my mind is a lifeline. He's promising you, I will be your lifeline no matter where you are. I am bound to you, and my promises are true and unshakable. The bottom line is that those promises are for you. This is the hope that we've received as a gift from God through Jesus Christ. This is where we are, and this is the gift that we celebrate. And the greatest thing that we can do as disciples of Christ since that is the greatest, most precious, most valuable gift that anyone who's a follower of Christ will ever receive in their entire life, what should we do with that gift? Should we build one of these? That's the Hope Diamond in there, by the way. I thought it was clever. 
Should we build one of those, a vault, to contain that precious gift? No. What we should do is take that most precious gift that we've been given and freely give it away. That's what we're called to do. Don't worry, by the way. God's supply of hope is unlimited. It won't run out. What if I give my hope away? He's got more. And this is what it looks like then to share our hope with others. If, I, if I'm telling you the greatest thing that we can do is to take that gift of hope that you've been given and freely give it away. Here's what it looks like. Hebrews 13, 6. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? In 1 Peter 4, 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. In other words, you have received hope, so give hope. Hope doesn't mean I'm going to read the news every day and spread doom and gloom to the people around me. It doesn't mean going back to the headlines of three years ago going, experts say our worst days are ahead of us. So here's the promise of hope that the prophet Isaiah heard from God and gave to the people of Israel. They had now, the setting for this is he's telling a people who had been corrupted, they had become rebellious, they had become idolaters, and God acknowledged that. He doesn't say, oh, oh they're, just, they're just misled. He said, no, they are. They're corrupted. They're idolaters. They are deserving of everything that comes upon them, but God's blessing, his promises, are not dependent on who we are, thankfully. They're dependent on who he is. And so this is what God told the prophet Isaiah to tell the nation of Israel while they were in the middle of that. Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. We'll put it on the screen in small bites, but I'll read it for you. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light, and those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You will multiply the nation. You will increase their joy. They will rejoice in your presence as with the joy of harvest, as people rejoice when they divide the spoils. For you will break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor as in the battle of Midian. For every boot of the marching warrior in the roar of battle and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning, fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There'll be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. So today, today we're going to light the Advent candle that stands for hope. This is where in a church service, you get your cameras ready because this could be a YouTube moment or it could be... Or it could be I know. Well, I couldn't find one. There we are. There we are. That is the candle 
that represents hope, specifically the hope that the promised Messiah would come and will come again. It reminds us that Jesus is coming and that he'll lead us out of darkness into salvation. So how do we pass on this gift of hope that Jesus will come again? If I'm asking you to take that hope and pass it on, we start by knowing the promises of God and believing them. Know them, believe them. Because only then can you pass them on. Let me give a couple to you. John 14, 1 through 3. I'll read it for you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. Because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you will also be. That's a promise. He's not here on earth with us physically today because he's preparing a place for us. And when the time is right, he will come and take us to be with him. Hebrews 9.28, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And there's thousands of others in the word of God. So we take those words, we believe them, and we share those words with others. And just like Jesus, we don't expect praise. We don't expect thanks. We don't even necessarily expect it to be received but we share it openly because it was given to us openly and freely. 1 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4 says, For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not intending to please people, but to please God who examines our hearts. That's why we do it. We don't do it to please people. We do it to please God because that's what he wants. Humans were built with a desire to worship. It's just inherent in us. We will find something to worship. It's supposed to be God. But Satan offers a counterfeit to draw our attention away from the real thing, to trick us into focusing on ourselves. But God's blessing and favor rest firmly on those who love him and, importantly for today, and love those who he loves. That's all of his children. And that's the ones he sent his son Jesus into the world to save. The son whose arrival in the flesh is what we observe on Christmas Day. You've heard the carol that call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. That's what we celebrate on Christmas Day. That's what we prepare our hearts for during the season of Advent. Let's pray. Father God, we are so humbled and thankful for the gift that we have received. I pray that all of us would hold that gift with with open hands. Not, not holding tightly onto it as if there's no more to go around. 
but that we receive that gift and we immediately start looking for a way to give it away. Looking for people who are hurting, people that have no hope that we can give that gift to. So Father, I pray right now for all of us here that you would bring us into situations, that you would introduce us to people, you would bring people into our lives, into our path that need hope. And I pray at that time that we would have the boldness to open our hands, open our mouths and our hearts and give that hope to someone who desperately needs it, just as you have given that hope to us. Father, we love you and we praise you and we are so thankful for this opportunity to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Guys, we're gonna go into communion right now. And the way that we do communion here, if you're new or haven't been in a while, is you don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to go through some class. What you need is to be able to say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. If you can say that, we invite you to take communion with us. And the way that we do it here, we have three different stations. Um, up front on this side, up front on that side, we'll have two different couples who will be serving, and we have wine there and bread and gluten-free crackers. And what you do is just dip it into the wine and take it there. In the back, by the back door, we have self-serve if you'd rather serve yourself. And back there, we have juice instead of wine. So if you want to go that way, you can do that. But as we listen, listen to the worship songs, let those promises sink into your heart. Let them just solidify into your heart to where the hope just wells up in you, and you have to share it with someone, and you're not holding tightly to it. That's what that's about. And let's worship together. When worship is over, we will have uh, the prayer team up front here, and they are going to be praying for healing specifically. Now, if you need prayer for other than healing, they're here for that too. But up front, we devote time during the first Sunday of the month for specific healing prayer service. And so you don't have to have signed up for it in advance. If you're feeling that pull right now, come up front. See the hope in Christ that is just shown in the people who have the faithfulness to pray for you. They come here hoping that people will come to them, people who need prayer, people who need healing. They're not saying, I hope nobody comes so I can get out of here early. I promise you. They came here with an expectation that God was going to bring them people who that they could help. So meet them up front. Let's worship together and let's have hope in the season. Amen? Thank you, guys.